When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Living leaves a mark on our planet and in our communities, but it doesn't have to leave a scar. At OnPost, we're building a postal and delivery service for the future. Through Ireland's largest electric fleet, delivering e-commerce with zero emissions. With the Green Hub helping people transform their homes for greener living. And services that keep our communities connected and thriving. Living leaves a mark. Together, let's leave one we're proud of. On Post. For your world. For more information on our zero emission deliveries in Dublin, Cork, Limerick and Waterford city centres, visit onpost.com forward slash sustainability. Hi, this is Allie Wentworth, host of Go Ask Allie. My listeners want more, so we are digging in. It's real, it's honest, open and unexpected, and sometimes amusing. He told me you chased him with a butcher knife <laughs> and tried to cut off his penis, but that's his version and everybody has a different Everybody version. has two, two sides of every story. Exactly. All new episodes of Go Ask Alley release every Thursday. Listen to Go Ask Alley on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I am Sholo Maridueña. And I'm Jacob Scott Thomas Bertrand, and this is the Lone Lobos Podcast. Now, some of you guys might know us from the shows we've been on, i.e. Cobra Kai, some of the other ones. But September 21st, we're going to be launching our podcast together. And what are we going to be talking about, Jacob? Unapologetic takes on adulthood, shooting every week, growing up in the industry. Listen to Lone Lobos on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Ariel. In the early hours of the morning on Wednesday, Haitian President Jovenel Moïse was shot and killed at his home outside of the capital city, Port-au-Prince. Although there still isn't that much news about who was behind this, Haiti's been in a state of political turmoil for years. For the past year, President Moïse had been clinging to power, ruling by decree, after a prolonged fight over the legitimacy of the election. In recent months, political violence has broken out in the streets of Haiti as gang violence has surged. Vice News correspondent Jason Mutlog spent time in Haiti documenting the ongoing violence between the warring factions. I spoke with Jason recently about his reporting, and in light of this week's events, his reporting provides a close look at what led up to the assassination of President Moïse. We have breaking news from Haiti, where the country's president is dead this morning, assassinated in what's being described as a middle-of-the-night attack. These gunmen, nobody really knows who they are, but what they do know is that some were speaking Spanish and some were speaking English. The streets of Port-au-Prince have become a war zone as gangs battle each other and police for control of the city. As violence spirals out of control in Haiti, The government is under intense pressure by the United States and the international community to organize elections. Haiti's a mess. The people are suffering. This has to stop. This is Vice News Reports. I'm Ariel Dimros. And I'm Jason Motla, an independent journalist. 
Jason, your reporting has taken you to various war zones. And I've heard mentions from some people that what's going on in Haiti right now is an undeclared civil war. Based on your time there, is that assessment correct? For sure. I've worked in a lot of war zones, and this felt like that. Okay, so so tell me what's going on there. So Jovenel Moise was elected in 2016 in a disputed election, one that his opponents say was rigged. The legitimacy election has been in dispute since then, and there have been calls for a new election. Okay, but he's still president there, right? Correct. He wasn't able to officially take office and start his term until 2017, so he claims he should be able to get another year. And that's basically what he's done. He intends to stay in power until 2022. And this is also something that the United States and the United Nations agree with. He announced this, that he wasn't leaving, around the middle of last year, and violence broke out almost immediately in response. And there's been continued violence on the streets since then between pro-Moise and anti-Moise factions. And those against Moise are accusing him of rolling back democracy across Haiti. In the meantime, Moise has been consolidating his control over the government. And in January of 2020, he dissolved parliament and has been ruling the country by decree. Okay, so current President Moise has been in power for four years, right? But because of this ongoing dispute about his election, he's actually been in power by his own decree, meaning that he is the one who is keeping himself in power right now. And that has caused this incredible instability in the country with violent consequences. So what does this political conflict look like in Haiti for Haitians? So a lot of this is playing out in very violent ways across the capital, Port-au-Prince. Over the past year, there have been massive protests and pushback against what Moise is doing. The street fighting is very localized, block by block, neighborhood by neighborhood fighting. Because in Port-au-Prince, neighborhoods that support different political factions are fighting against each other. So if you go to Delmasis, for instance, the local heavies might support the president. But in the next neighborhood over, a few blocks away, you'll have opposition supporters. The exact political fault lines are not easy to see either. It changes from one street to the next. So we had to work with Haitian journalists to get a better understanding of the very local political affiliations. Ultimately, it's a pretty murky picture. The line between political supporters and straight criminal factions is very blurry. There have been widespread accusations that the government is supporting some of these gang leaders, or at the very least turning a blind eye to their crimes, so long as these gangs continue to suppress opposition to his leadership. Is that true? Like, which is it? Is Moïse supporting some of this violence? Well, that's what we were trying to figure out. I wanted to get a clear understanding of the forces behind the violence. I wanted to talk with victims of the violence, and I wanted to talk to some of the people who have been accused of committing violence. And I have to say here that no one is officially being held accountable. Police, by and large, are not investigating who's responsible for what's happening. But there are citizens who are taking this up themselves, trying to keep a record of these killings that are taking place and figure out who's responsible. and then we'll jump into it. Okay. So, Pierre, could you just, to me... One of those people is a guy named Pierre Esperance, who works at a human rights group that's investigating the links between the government and the street violence. I met Pierre at his walled compound in Port-au-Prince. According to Pierre, under Moise's government, violence has reached levels that Haiti hasn't experienced in a long time. Pierre has a map of Port-au-Prince, and on it he points out the opposition neighborhoods, or the ones that could swing an election and unseat Moise. Pierre says it's those neighborhoods that are suffering the worst violence. They gain a massacre d'État qui fait dans 
La Saline. He points to a particular attack that happened in 2018 in a neighborhood called La Saline, a neighborhood aligned with the opposition. Pierre claims that this attack was strategic, designed to create instability and fear. He says that 71 people were killed in the attack and more than 100 houses were burned down. There was a mass rape. 11 women were raped. And many other people disappeared that day who still haven't been accounted for. The government has put all the blame on local gangs, claiming that they are the ones responsible for the violence. But Pierre tells me that what happened in La Saline was not the work of gang violence. They're well-planned massacres, he says. State massacres. What does Pierre mean by state massacres? So Pierre's drawing a direct connection between the violence in La Saline and the government because La Saline is an opposition neighborhood. In other words, the alleged gang violence was actually a direct message from the government to intimidate the opposition. Okay, so basically, Pierre is saying that because this neighborhood does not support the current president, Moise, that the government is using local gangs to intimidate residents? Does Pierre or his group have any concrete evidence that the government is involved? Pierre and his group did investigate this. They did numerous interviews about what led up to the attack on La Saline and issued a report laying out what they believe went down. They allege that the attack was coordinated and planned with the government's backing. Specifically, they cite this meeting where government officials pledged to support a big pro-Moise gang with weapons and government vehicles. They also found that a government-owned semi-tank that had been assigned to a police unit was used in the attack. Pierre alleges that the man coordinating the massacre was a former police officer named Jimmy Cherizier, also known as Barbecue. Okay, so this is the guy that you previously told me about. This is the person who is central to understanding the violence in Haiti. And what really stood out to me when you told me about him is that they call him Barbecue, right? Because he's been accused of burning down people's homes and, and killing them. Right. This is the name that we kept hearing when we would ask people not just about La Saline, but about who was leading the gang violence. Okay. And so his background is that he used to be a police officer? Yeah. In fact, he was still a police officer back in 2018 when the La Saline massacre happened. He was fired the next month in December of 2018. And since then, he's been accused of orchestrating several other attacks on civilians. Pierre describes him as being above the law. Jimmy and he's been linked to violence that's taken place all over Port-au-Prince. Grand Ravine. In the neighborhoods Grand Ravine, La Saline, La Saline Bel Air, Bel Air, Bel Air, encore. Bel Air again, Cité Soleil, Cité Soleil et Pont Rouge. Pont Rouge. According to Pierre, barbecue is linked to all of these attacks. And it seems he has the backing of the government or at least he was at the planning meeting for the La Saline attack. So Pierre is saying that this planning meeting is evidence that the government is directly involved in the attack. Yeah. Okay, so 
Pierre points you to this former police officer named Barbecue. What do you do after that? Where do you go from there? After talking with Pierre, I wanted to see firsthand what's going on in these neighborhoods, to talk to people who are living through this violence. The Bel Air neighborhood is associated with the opposition and has suffered a lot during the recent violence. It was hit by back-to-back attacks in August of 2020. It's hard to know how many people have been killed in the ongoing fighting. In fact, there was an attack the same day me and my crew arrived in Haiti. So we traveled on motorbikes to the heart of this turf war. We arrive in Bel Air early in the morning, and the neighborhood is restless. Residents have been forced to form their own armed groups to protect themselves against the gangs. So you see teenagers walking around with assault rifles, patrolling the streets. This is basically what amounts to the, the front line. It's not long before we hear the name barbecue. Just uh, two blocks down, we're told, is barbecue's territory. And the guys here on the corner who say they're defending the neighborhood say they has been shooting all night, and as you can tell, it's, it's still ongoing. And these guys are telling us that if they don't hold down this corner, that this area is at risk of being overrun again. Or in other words, they're trying to prevent another mass killing in their neighborhood. So when people talk about civil war, this is what they're talking about. <laughs> yes, but it's hyper-localized. When I was in Bel Air, after the shooting died down that day, I met another woman who's been living in the neighborhood for almost 30 years. Her name is Gladys Jean-Paul, and she sells food for a living. She raised her four children here, including her oldest son, Danny. A few days before I went to see her, Danny was killed after gunfire broke out near their house. Gladys leads me past concrete walls riddled with bullet holes and into her home. We sit down to talk, and she starts to cry. She holds up a black and white photo of her son, Danny. She says they've been through a lot together. What happened to your son? Gladys tells me about the day Danny was killed. She was selling food in front of her house when she heard gunshots and everyone around her started running. Danny ran out to grab her cookware. Gladys says she told him to get inside the house, to leave her big cooking pot alone. But he didn't listen, and he managed to put her pot away. He saved her business. Eventually, Gladys was able to bring her son inside the house. But while Danny was outside, a group of people with guns had seen him. They followed Gladys and Danny into their home, and then dragged Danny away. Gladys didn't know what happened to her son or where he'd been taken. She feared for the worst, that her son was dead and that his body would be burned before she could bury it. And that's because of who she suspected of killing her son. Who do you hold responsible for your son's death? Barbecue. Yes, barbecue, she says, and the fire spitters gang. 
who are known for burning their victims, whether they're alive or dead. She tells me that a group of men helped her find Danny's body before it was burned. He'd been shot to death. But now, even though she has her son's body, she's not sure she'll be able to bury it. She doesn't have the money to pay for a funeral service. So Jason, you're going through these neighborhoods and people keep mentioning barbecue as this one guy at the center of all of this violence. They say he's burning down neighborhoods and that he ordered the killing of Gladys's son. Were you able to talk to him? Yeah, so we decided we needed to try and meet with him. And it wasn't actually that hard to get him to sit down with us. Tout ça ouais maintenant me là dans lieu, c'est machination politique, c'est tractation pour qui détume par rapport avec goumer ça. That's after the break. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. River Cafe Table 4 is a brand new podcast with me, Ruthie Rogers, the founder and chef of the River Cafe in London. River Cafe Table 4 takes us on a food journey around the world with friends like Paul McCartney. John Lennon and I hitchhiked to Paris and we thought, oh, we've got to have a wine experience. We're in France. And we took a sip and thought, that is terrible. It's like vinegar. So join us at River Cafe Table 4 to hear this brand new podcast all about their memories, their travels and the food they turn to for comfort. Listen to River Cafe Table 4 on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, it's Allie Wentworth, a middle-aged woman with a lot of questions and a lot of answers I have pulled out of my tush as host of Go Ask Allie. My listeners want more, so we are digging in. It's real, it's honest, open and unexpected, and sometimes amusing. Can you start with your infamous $19,000 haircut? Yes, and this is a great story I, I feel about mothers and daughters with a dream and an empty bank account. Just a few of our fabulous guests this season are New York Times bestselling author Isabel Gillies, writer and Oprah's favorite life coach Martha Beck, and former editor of People magazine Jess Cagle. If we know intimate details about another person, then that person is socially important to us. Okay, so that's what you like to gossip about. Wait, what do you gossip about? All new episodes of Go Ask Alley release every Thursday. Listen to Go Ask Alley on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? 
What's in this box? Is this tree good for climbing? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Safe gun storage saves lives. Learn how to make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. That's nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady and the Ad Council. So before the break, we heard the name barbecue a lot. It sounds like a lot of people are blaming him for a lot of the violence in Port-au-Prince. Yes, we kept hearing his name. So we decided we needed to try and meet with him, to try and untangle who he actually is and what he's doing. Is this a former cop exploiting a bad situation to control certain neighborhoods in Port-au-Prince? Or is he being directed by the Moise government to attack the opposition? So how do you access a guy like that? Well, this is a guy who has a warrant out for his arrest, and a lot of people we spoke with are saying he's a murderer. But he feels really comfortable in Port-au-Prince, and it wasn't actually that hard to get him to sit down with us. Good to go. Okay. I met Jimmy Cherizier, also known as Barbecue, in Delmas-Sis, a working-class neighborhood named after the street it's on. Delma is a pro-Moise area. Jimmy moved to the neighborhood when he was just a boy, so he has deep roots here. So why do they call you Barbecue? He says his mother was a popular cook who earned money selling barbecue. And because there were already so many other Jimmys in the neighborhood, Jimmy the soccer player, chicken shit Jimmy, Jimmy Falanle, to differentiate him, the kids in the neighborhood named him Jimmy Barbecue. Jimmy says that as a child, it was in his nature to care for and protect the weak. Jimmy became a cop in 2005. He spent 14 years as a police officer, until he was fired three years ago. He even has a police badge tattooed on his wrist. He says that the rumors of his involvement in the mass killings are part of a plot against him. And that people want to destroy him because he's fighting to change this country. He says his group are not criminals, like everyone says. He says he brought different gang factions together to be a force for good, to maintain peace and fight for better hospitals and schools and access to water. So this is a pretty different story than the one you heard from other people you interviewed. Yeah, I wanted to push back. So I asked about La Saline, the neighborhood where Jimmy and his gang allegedly killed 71 people. I asked him if he feels comfortable walking the streets around there. Do you feel welcome in La Saline? He says that he's never felt uncomfortable in La Saline. Why would I destroy these people, he says. He compares women on the street selling food to his own mother, who also sold food. Then he suggests something I'm not expecting. He wants to prove how comfortable he is in La Saline. We're going to film this. I'm going to talk to the camera. 
Okay. So he invites me and my crew to accompany him as he walks around the neighborhood. If, if we're if we're doubling up, is it better if I'm on the very back? Does it matter? Yeah, yeah. Probably, right? We hire some moto taxis and make our way over to the place where Jimmy allegedly helped plan the 2018 massacre. Jimmy brings me to the exact location where the massacre took place, where he's been accused of killing people. We're near a market where vendors are hawking fruit and cold drinks. It's the middle of the day, and dozens of people are milling around. Jimmy walks around greeting people. He looks comfortable. And like a Pied Piper, he's trailed by small children. Do you think people here fear you? Jimmy directs my question to the crowd of people who have gathered around us. He stands up on a pile of trash and shouts the question out to them. Are you afraid of me? He tells me to ask them myself. Some of the people who've gathered around shout back. Someone says, no. Someone else says, we could never be afraid of you. Someone even shouts, you're like a father to us. So Jason, that story's pretty wild to me. That seems super performative. Like this is a show that he is putting on for you and the international media, right? Like he's trying to prove to you that he can't be the person behind all of this violence in this neighborhood because look, the people here, they they love me. What was going on in your head in that moment when you were there in that crowd? Were the people there did they actually seem supportive of him? Yeah, Jimmy's one of those guys that if you're from his neighborhood and you're on his team, like things could be pretty good for you. You might feel safe. Uh, you know, you might be looked out for, and you know he's got your back. But if you're on the other side, look out. I mean, there's really no telling what could happen. Daddy. Before we leave the market, the group of children that have been trailing Jimmy as we toured La Saline all gather around him. So Jimmy decides to buy them all a treat. He pays for 20 ice cream bars. He orders them all to form a line. He threatens to hit anyone who tries to push their way to the front. But then a bunch more kids show up and get in line. Jimmy isn't phased. He buys 40 more ice cream bars. Jimmy is patient, handing out ice cream bars one at a time. When a mother approaches with her child on her hip, Jimmy kisses the little girl on the cheek and hands her an ice cream bar. Like, was that, was that fine or was that creepy? Because, like, this is the guy being accused directly of being a mob boss. And this whole ice cream kiss the baby thing... 
feels like pretty stereotypical mob boss trying to appease a reporter behavior. And clearly he hasn't been arrested. So, so what does that tell you? Yeah, there's definitely two sides to this guy. I mean, on the one hand, you know, you've got a man who commands a lot of respect and fear and can back it up. And, you know, in Haiti, his reputation precedes him. So people want to stay on his good side. Um, But he also has this rep as being kind of a man of the people, a neighborhood protector, you know, who makes sure the streets are clean, who hands out money and ice cream, uh, who ensures there's clean water around. And he's actually done some good things, especially around his power base of Del Macis. So it's, it's almost like these alter egos at work. I mean, yeah, people contain multitudes, right? Like, I, I can I can live it with two truths here. But at the same time, if he actually has killed people, why is it that he's allowed to walk freely in the streets while there's a warrant out for his arrest? You know, that arrest warrant has been outstanding for, for months and months now, and uh, it's not about to be served. You know, he was in the police for a long time, so he definitely has allies there. The police at this point, uh, you know, if, if they are legit, are not trying to confront the gangs because oftentimes they're outgunned. And so he can operate with impunity. Basically, the, the rule of law in Haiti is broken. The entire justice system and the police are under executive control, so under President Moise's control. And whether or not the government is directly involved in these killings, at the very least, they seem unable or unwilling to stop the violence. So this warrant that's out for Jimmy's arrest, it doesn't seem to hold much weight. Were you able to talk to anyone in government about this? I wanted to get a straight answer, but the government stonewalled us. I went to talk with Gabriel de Carmel, who was the chief prosecutor of Port-au-Prince. He signed the arrest warrant for Jimmy last year. When I asked him directly for an interview, he turned me down. He said he couldn't speak. So I went to a press conference he held and asked him. The internal police investigation called for the arrest of Jimmy Cherizier. That was two years ago. Why hasn't he been arrested? He politely thanked the room and left without answering my question. Finally, we went to the headquarters of the National Police to speak to the director, a man appointed by the president. We were told that he was leaving and were directed to the spokesperson's office. But the spokesperson said it wasn't his job to talk to me. So after all these weeks of waiting, uh, no one from the Haitian government, the police is willing to speak with us. No one from the prime minister's office, no one from the justice ministry, the attorney general, nor the head of police. No one. What about the Haitian people that you spent time with? The reporting that I've read in the last few months have called the situation in Haiti intolerable. I've read about kidnappings and extortions and this whole new wave of COVID cases. What do you know about people like 
Gladys, whose son was taken from her home and killed. Gladys was able to find the money to have a funeral for her son. She had to bury Danny on his birthday. I ask her how she's doing. Danny was her oldest child, and she says they've been through a lot together. His father wasn't around to help raise him, and now he's gone. I ask her what she'll do now. I want to leave the area, she says. The gunfire makes her feel unsafe. But she doesn't have enough money to leave, so she has to stay for now. When I last spoke with Pierre, the human rights researcher, he predicted that 2021 will be among the most difficult years for Haitian people, maybe even worse than the 2010 earthquake. And that really stuck with me. He thinks the violence and the crime are only going to continue to get worse. In the months leading up to his assassination, Moise had struggled to quiet the growing public anger over his refusal to leave office. February 7th actually marked the end of his five-year term leading to mass protests and increased violence. Dozens have been arrested as Moise's government accused the opposition of ongoing coup attempts. Now, with his assassination and Haiti's second-in-command having died recently of COVID-19, it's not immediately clear who's going to lead the country. And the resulting power vacuum threatens to worsen Haiti's stability. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Bank of Ireland, we understand that home is where the heart is. But it's also where two people become five, where attics become bedrooms, and where closed spaces become open plans to make room for new memories. Get the space you've always wanted. Search Bank of Ireland Home Improvement Loans. Welcome home. Bank of Ireland. Begin. Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply over 18s only and not suitable for students. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Hi, friends. I'm Hector Navarro. And I'm Frankie Grande. We're your hosts for SpongeBob Binge Pants, Nickelodeon's podcast celebrating all things SpongeBob Universe. We have the privilege that not many SpongeBob fans get. This being an official Nickelodeon podcast, we get to interview the brilliant humans behind the names we've all been reading in those credits for over 20 years. This is a podcast by fans for fans. Listen to SpongeBob Binge Pants on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The reviews are in. 
and audiences agree, iHeartRadio's number one podcast, Aftershock, is the show you need to binge. Michaela, She's not going to make it to the mainland by herself. Five stars. I love it. It's hard to find a podcast that is truly immersive, and this one takes the cake. Ask me if I care who died on that island. The art of a roller coaster. So many ups and downs, twists and turns, five stars. Someone's running towards us. Get to the boat now. Has me at the edge of my seat. Everyone that hears me listening to it stops to listen and then subscribes themselves. You owe me. After what you did, you owe me the truth. Heart-stopping. And the cast. I can't wait for more. This place is going to collapse. Straps us in and makes us think we're coasting along and we're really racing to an abrupt end. You're going to come with me and we are going to take you apart. Piece by piece. Aftershock starring Sarah Wayne Callies, David Harbour, and Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Come to the island and binge the series everyone is talking about. Follow it on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All quotes taken from actual user reviews. Special thanks to Jason Mutlog. Adam Desiderio, Amanda Pizetzner, and Jérémy Dupin for their work reporting this story. They made a film about their reporting, which you can check out on Vice's documentary TV show on Showtime. Vice News Reports is produced by Jesse Alejandro Cuttrell, Sophie Casis, Jen Kinney, Janice Yamoka, Julia Nutter, and Sayer Quevedo. Our senior producers are Ashley Cleek and Aniza Egan. Our associate producers are Sam Egan and Adriana Rodriguez. Sound design and music composition by Steve Bone, Dan Bandy, and Kyle Murdoch. Our executive producer and VP of Vice Audio is Kate Osborne. Janet Lee is senior production manager for Vice Audio. Production coordination by Steph Brown. Fact-checking by Nicole Pasolka. Our theme music is by Steve Bone. From iHeart executive producers Nikki Etor and Lindsay Hoffman. I'm Ariel Zemras. I know podcast hosts say this all the time, but seriously, please take the time to rate and review this podcast. It really does help other people find the show. And, you know, we like rating the reviews. Vice News Reports drops every Thursday, so be sure to check back in next week. As we look to get back to normality, whether that's back to school, college, or the office, why not support your immune system with Sambucol? Sambucol is a range of great-tasting food supplements founded on the unique qualities of natural black elderberries. Packed full of antioxidants, Sambucol is scientifically proven to prevent, protect, and stimulate the immune system, providing your family with year-round immune support. Supporting your family's immunity for 30 years. Sambucol is available from health food stores, pharmacies and selected SuperValue stores nationwide. Food supplements should not be used as a substitute for a very diet and healthy lifestyle. Do not exceed the stated dose. How do airplanes fly? What's in this box? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Learn how to store your gun securely and make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady and the Ad Council. Hi, this is Allie Wentworth, host of Go Ask Allie. My listeners want more, so we are digging in. 
It's real, it's honest, open and unexpected, and sometimes amusing. You told me you chased him with a butcher knife <laughs> and tried to cut off his penis, but that's his version and everybody has a different Everybody version. has two, two sides of every story. Exactly. All new episodes of Go Ask Alley release every Thursday. Listen to Go Ask Alley on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.